There you are. Let me pick you up. How are you? Hatman's podcast one. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for nourishment. This morning, whilst walking the dog, we saw a tramp sitting on a bench in the park. And I was a bit concerned about going towards him. Nearly turned around, but chose to carry on my journey and to acknowledge the individual. Uh, I said good morning or something. He mumbled something back at me and uh, we carried on our way. Now, this lockdown has been tough on many of us at many different levels. And this tramp really has been stuck in my mind all day, really. You see, the thing is, about 15 years ago in the Midlands, in um, near Kenilworth, I was travelling from a hotel to a place of work, and I wanted to get there quite early um, because I was very Im impressed by the need to make money. And as I was driving down this cold, windy road, there was a tramp on the same side of the road <laughs> carrying a couple of bags and a dog by his side. And um, as I'm driving down, I thought, well, so I moved to the side and drove along. And as I was driving down the road, probably five minutes later, I was listening to the radio, it suddenly occurred to me, I'm doing this thing of helping people for a hundred days and I called it helping a stranger for a hundred days and I'd done some of this already and one of the guys was in Leeds uh, probably a month or two beforehand and this guy approached me as I was walking through the pedestrian area and he's kind of jumped out and said excuse me do you want to buy a CD and I said, uh, no, 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 thanks. Leave me alone. And he says, oh, no, come on, mate. Uh, you'll really enjoy it. It's good music. And I'm like, mm, uh, no. And I carried on walking. And again, I walked, as I was walking away, gave him no thought. And then I thought about it. went, hmm, you're helping strangers for 100 days. What are you doing? So I turned around, went back to talk to him. And as I was walking back, I could see him approaching other people, two or three people who were, uh, um, a little bit concerned, probably a bit frightened, and jumped away. And, excuse me, as he jumped out, and I went up to him and explained that I'd avoided him and I'd came I came back. And the reason I came back, I was doing a thing called helping strangers for a hundred days, and this was one of the hundred days. He goes, okay, yes, what? And so I said, um, let's let's see what we can do to help you sell some more of these CDs. So we sat down and had a chat. And uh, across the way were um, some youngsters with um, high-vis vests <laughs> doing something for Help the Aged or um, Save the Children, something like that. And they were having what appeared to be good, good conversations. And it was all, all going rather well. So me and this bloke, we were watching... And I said to him, what do you think is going on there? And he said, well, 
yeah, he's, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing the other. I said, yeah. So maybe if you did the same, you get the same kind of result. How many CDs have you sold so far? He said, one. I said, right, so it's probably not working. So why don't we give that a go? And he said, what do you mean, we? I said, well, I'll tell you what. Give me a couple of the CDs and I'll sell them. And you sit there and watch. <laughs> and if I ask you a question and we both look at you, please smile, your biggest smile, and uh, answer whatever question we have. And he's like, okay, go on then. So I stood up. First bloke didn't even look at me. Second bloke sort of said yes, but no thanks and walked away. Third bloke, um, he said yes um, to our proposition and he bought the CD. And I'd explained that this young music musician was uh, part of the local business uh, community and he was selling CDs with a view to being able to get more airtime in the recording studio. And that was the thing that the bloke decided, yeah, for, I'll do this. It cost £5. So the CD seller, he says, oh, that's really good. Thanks very much. I said, I haven't finished yet. So tried again, a couple of misses, and then got another hit. Same kind of thing. Went back to him and said, did you see it? He goes, yeah, I did. Thanks for that. I said, right, I'll tell you what, you give it a go, and I'll sit here, and I'll just watch. And if you're happy with it, um, I'll then leave you to it for the rest of the day. So, after about 20 minutes, he sold another two. So, I sold two, he'd sold two, that was four. So, that was pretty good. So, I said to him, my name's Mike. I'm doing this thing about helping random strangers. What's your name? His name was Gavin or something. So, Gavin, you're not a stranger now. But, I'll tell you what, when you get an opportunity, I want you to help a stranger. He said, okay, I'll do that. And I went on my way. About 10 minutes later, I suddenly thought, that's not, not enough. You can always do a bit more. So I walked back to the street, and sure enough, he was still there. And he said, hello, Mike. I said, Gavin, I need to buy one of your CDs. He said, they're really good to listen to. So I gave him £5, and he gave me a CD. Wished him farewell again, and carried on my way. Later on, <laughs> that week... I'm driving home and pulled in at a service station. And when I got back to the car, having got my coffee, I thought, I'm going to play that CD. So I took it out of my case, put it into the CD player, and it was blank. There was nothing on it. It helped the guy sell five CDs to random strangers. Not my best moment, but I helped. Back to Kenilworth. That tramp, as I um, drove back to see him, because I'd passed him and then thought about it, I didn't know where he'd been, I didn't know where he was heading, but I knew where he was, and I wanted to talk to him, I just wanted to engage him. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I worried about him when he was a young boy. Growing up, he'd have had friends, and mums and dads who loved him, who'd have said please and thank you, and you know, life would have been good. And I wanted to know how along the way let him go. Who stopped caring? Who didn't notice? Who stopped calling him? 
Why did people let him go? Why did they leave him? As I got closer to where I had seen him, and then a little bit further on, man was nowhere to be seen, so I don't know what happened, but he'd gone. And as a young boy, when I was growing up, I was terrified of being poor. I was thrown out of home the day after my A-levels had finished. I spent the first two nights uh, sleeping in the back of a car. On the third day, uh, my best schoolmate, um, we were just chatting away, and I told him where I was sleeping, and he's like, hang on a minute. Went round to his mum, back to his mum's, mum and dad's, explained the situation, and he said, look, you can come and live with us. So I'm like, eh? Went in, so I went round there, and um, I knew, knew his mum and dad, and they had six children living at home, a mate was one of them, and they said, look, it's a busy household, but we can always fit one more in. We can always do something else, so come on in, it'll be nice to have you. And I, my values and belief systems changed from that moment in terms of you can always do a bit more. Even when you're full up of stuff, you can get a bit more. It was a busy house. It was full. It was vibrant. It was noisy. It was quiet. But it was lovely. And then on the Friday, I think it was, I'd gone into town for where I had a Saturday job and explained um, I needed a full-time job. And they said, yeah, come come, uh, come, and start. And then about three weeks after that, I then got my uh, own digs. So in less than a month from being a student, I'd been thrown out, homeless, living with my mates, got a full-time job, and then got my own place. And to this day, I'm still worried about money and poverty. But at the job, there was a, uh, a terrific boss, Ross Taggart. He, um, after a few weeks, he said to me, um, right, we need to smarten you up. And I said, why? I quite like my mullet. Uh, I had a gold rope earring, uh, white shirt, black leather tie, red leather belt, grey suede shoes white downing socks and I looked ridiculous but he said nope we're going to sort you all out if you want to go anywhere in business you've always got to look your best just look your best and that's not you at your best I said okay fair enough thought no more of it on the Monday when we'd go banking take all the takings over the weekend uh we took a beeline into uh, Marks and Spencer's on the way back to the shop. And we went upstairs to where they had all the suits. And he said to the uh, assistant that he wanted a suit for me, and he described it blue pinstripe, uh, cotton, single-breasted, in whatever the sizes were, and a shirt and, uh, and a belt to go with it, because my red leather belt was no good. <laughs> So we tried it all on, and he said, right, there we go, we'll have that. And I said, well, thanks, Mr. Taggart, but I can't afford this. He said, that's okay, I'm going to buy it for you. 
what? Hang on. He goes, no, I'd like you to be the part. And what I'm going to do one day in the future, if you see somebody who could do with something like this, I want you to do it. I said, Ron? And he goes, so I'm going to get you the suit and I'm going to get you the shoes when we go back. I'll pay for, pay for them all. But they're for you. And one day in the future, all I want you to do is if you see somebody and you can help with something you've got, help them. He said, for me, I know about clothes. For you, it could be something different. So, uh, got my first proper suit. And I really like that suit. I love pinstripes. I still do. And um, looking smart. I've been scared of being poor. Well, we now go to St Albans and I'm doing some work with the management team up there and it's sales as well and they wanted me to do some work with their sales boys and girls so uh, some of their business managers uh, were doing really well some were okay and some were like really just hanging in there and uh, we went through the profile of all of them and there was one guy in there in particular can't remember his name he uh, they just dismissed him and moved on. I said, why? What's going on there? And they said, oh, he used to be, he's been with us for years and years and years, knows all his clients, but he's just not hacking it anymore. It's just a different world. He can't do it anymore. So he's basically on his way out. We're just going to let him uh, come to his own realisation and then he can go. And I'm like, mm, that's not right. I said, okay, well, 20 year man plus, we've got to look after him. Um, we'll, we'll look after all the others but this guy if you want me to come and help your team it's your team I'm not letting that guy go let me have a chat with him see how I get on and then if there's nothing there then it's down to you but if there's something I don't think we can afford to let this guy go we owe it to him once upon a time he was right for the job and now he's saying he's not so we've messed up so let's fix it mm, they said I said Trust me. Anyway, we did. And uh, had all the meetings, all the people, one-on-ones. And then I met this guy who just didn't care. He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to be in the office. He was somewhere else. So I explained what I needed to do, which is go out on a few appointments, just see what's going on, get a shape on the world, etc. And he's like, okay. As a matter of courtesy, he did it. Um, he was quite dishevelled. <laughs> Not only in his looks, but also his persona. He was, uh, I suppose, like a dead man walking. So he got on the first appointment. Customers loved him. But when it came to business, he didn't really ask for anything. Um, went to the next appointment. Again, the customers loved him but he just wouldn't ask about anything he could do to help them or come with any suggestions. He just didn't do it. So I asked him about that afterwards. And he said, oh, I just haven't got the energy anymore. I'm giving up, really. And I said, okay, giving up on what? He said, everything. Okay. And it turned out that he and his wife 
had split about six months before and he was staying at his brother's place, sharing a room with his nephew. And every morning he'd wake up and he had to be quiet because he didn't want to wake the nephew up. And then he'd go to work and come back and nobody knew in the office. He couldn't tell anyone. His brother knew, his wife knew, his brother's missus knew, the nieces and nephews knew, but nobody knew. And the thing is, he had his own kids and his wife was making it difficult for him to spend any quality time with them. He got to see them, but not as much as he used to. This guy was heartbroken. So, explain that I can't do anything about that, but I can help you. Maybe enjoy your time here, and if you can enjoy your time here, maybe it'll give your subconscious a chance to think about things, and maybe you get a better outcome. I don't know, but is it possible we could work together and maybe bring back a bit more fun? I said, is it possible? Could we do that? He said, yes. So we shook hands and we did it. Did some preparation for future appointments and over the next few weeks, we formed quite a good relationship. I changed that. We formed a good relationship. Um, I'd say it was a great relationship. And it culminated in, uh, we went to see this one client. He said it was always his favourite. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said to him in the pre-meeting meeting, when you get to this point, say to the customer, and I want 50 vehicles. And I'm going to bring all the figures next week, and I want you to say yes. Because I know it's a work for Neil, and I want you to say yes. Will you do that? And the, this guy's like, what? I said, just say that. Whatever you say, at the end, say that. And he'll do it. So he did. And the customer said yes! <laughs> As we walked out, the guy was cock-a-hoop. I said, brilliant, I'm so pleased for you. Well done. And he said, oh, yeah, but it's all down to you. I said, no, 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 you did it. You know the customer. You did the groundwork. Look at the evidence. You made this happen. Well done. And he said, right. I think the appointment was for the following Tuesday or something, or Wednesday, whatever the day was. Anyway, Ross Tackett then came to mind. I'm like, oh, hang on, whoa, this, this is the guy, this is the one I've been, oh, so I phoned up the area director, and I said, I don't know how you get it, but you need to do this for me, I need to know his neck size, chest size, inside leg, and waist size, and shoe size, and the director says, what, I said, trust me, don't ask any questions, find out, but he doesn't, he cannot know, however you do it, do it. Got all the measurements. Went to the shop. It was Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> and I did get him a blue pinstripe suit. <laughs> I got him some shoes and a black belt and a shirt and a tie and cufflinks. He was ready to go. And um, I think on the Wednesday, whatever the day was, in the morning, I turned up first thing and I put all the stuff on his desk. <laughs> and he... When he comes in, he sees it all and says, what's this? I said, aha, this is from Ross Taggart. And I explained. And he looked at me and I went, yep. And your deal is you've got to do the same. One day you've got to do the same for somebody else. It doesn't have to be suits, though. It can be something else. But the moment, the thing you're feeling right now, do it. Do it. Just do it. 
and have a great meeting. And he asked me where I was going with him. I said, no, you've got it. You're done. Welcome back. Handshakes. And uh, we kept in touch for quite a while, but then things move on. And that guy went. So, yeah, there's always, a, there's always one more, isn't there? No matter how much, how busy you can be, you can always do a little bit more, can't you? You're right. So, Reading, where I grew up, Reading, where I got the job, Mr. Taggart, we've gone to St. Albans, we've been to Kenilworth, we've been to Leeds. Let's go back to the 1950s. The thing about Ross Taggart, he was one of the smartest men I knew on many levels. Visually, he was impeccable. And also, his thinking processes were just so smart. I don't know if he'd done that stuff before, or if he's done it since, but it worked for me, it worked to treat. He, he read me really well, and it stuck with me. And um, I've shared this message a number of times over the years, and one day I will find him, I'm trying to hunt him down. But anyway, let's go back to the 1950s. Men always wore a hat, and they often wore a suit. Men looked fantastic compared to how they look today. Women wore dresses and petticoats and stuff like that. And their ladies looked lovely too. And I think we all look really smart, you know, particularly our Sunday best. We all had that thing, didn't we? And I'm worrying about the future. What are we going to be like in our appearance? Are we going to be more like the gentlemen of the road, the tramps, or are we going to be more like people from the 1950s? And I don't know, but will our thinking become less smart as we dumb down? I wonder if people think as much about others, and I wonder if people think about themselves in the right way. In Leeds... One of my best mates, his nan, lives up there. And it was the winter. He'd gone up to go and see her, and there was snow everywhere. When he turned up, the snow had been cleared on the path in front of her house, down to her front door, and it also looked to be going through to next door, her next-door neighbours, like a U-shape. He goes in. Nan's really happy. Nice to see you, Brian. Thank you. Come on in. Let's have a cup of... Um, and so they sit down and have a chat and he says so Nan how's it going she said yeah he goes oh who's cleared your um, path and everything else and she said oh I did that he went Nan you shouldn't be out there in the winter in the cold in the snow in the ice at your age she said Brian I've got to do this I look after I look after the family next door I help them so what and she explained that while she's busy, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's also a lot of stuff going on for others. And it turned out that the neighbour, the wife was extremely ill and had been for a long period of time. And the dad was just running out of energy. So what the nan had done is said to the dad, look, how about once a week I come round for a couple of hours and just sit with your missus and babysit the children so you can go and see your mates or just get a bit of your own time? And the man said, yes. 
Thank you. So this Nan <laughs> has done something wonderful. Did she know Ross Taggart? Maybe she's just a lovely lady. There's always time to do something more for somebody else. And she did it. But then she did it for herself. She says, Brian, come upstairs. Let me show you this beautiful dress I bought for Christmas later this year. And he's like, what? So this was like January, February. And this wo woman, his nan, had a dress for 10 months' time. She was making plans. She wanted to be like the belle of the ball. But she saw something and she knew what she wanted to be doing in the future. This woman and my mate's mum and dad are incredible. My mate's mum and dad I've known for 44, 45 years. In a busy, bustling, vibrant, crowded, empty home, found space for somebody else in their life. Albeit for a short time. Amazing. And this woman found time to go out in the snow and clear the paths so she can go and help her neighbours. She also found distress and made plans for the future. I'd love to have seen a photograph of her that following Christmas. I'm sure she smiled and she was the belle of the ball. So coming to the end, how about you? What are you going to do for others and for yourself? What are you going to do for others like a Ross Taggart? And what are you going to do for yourself? No matter how busy you are, your life might be busy and full of vibrancy and colour and lights and goodness and warmth. Maybe it's not. Wherever you are on that spectrum, here or there, um, do, could you do some more? Is it possible <laughs> you could do some more? And is it possible you could do some more for you? Hmm. If it is, go for it. As for me, well, tomorrow I'm going to walk a bit more and I know I'm going to be a little bit fitter as a result of that. And I'm going to phone my mates and my family and I'm going to speak to them all because I care and I'm interested. So, thanks for listening. Um, I'm quite hungry now. Hopefully there was some nourishment here. If not, um, well, find some space. Find some time. You can do it. Okay. Hand man out. <laughs>